Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Between the misty rainforest, the ominous beaches, the craggy mountaintops, and the immense wildlife like whales and elk, exploring Olympic National Park is like stepping into an Avatar sequel. Yeah, but James Cameron can't hold a candle in Washington parks. Yeah, sorry, James, not even close. This is just one of those massive parks with so many elements that just takes your breath away and transports you into another planet, seemingly. Yeah, it really does. This is basically like Pandora National Park, but with otters and eagles instead of blue people, like agile Smurfs. Brad, you understand, though. You're like a huge Pandora fan. Yes, I am. Gosh, when I went on to Avatar Passage of Flight, that made me literally cry and buy a Avatar Barbie doll, like an $85 Barbie doll. Yeah, in your likeness, right? It was like a custom Brad Avatar creature. Yeah, like Disney pretended to scan my face Mm. and then like just made me pick out the eye color, hair type, and like face structure. But it was literally just like one of a hundred different variations. Like they didn't really scan your face to put your face on there, but I I fell for it. Like I was a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, and it's just a fancy way of charging you $85. But like we said, as amazing as that ride is, it's nothing compared to the beauty of Olympic National Park. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. We packed up our life in Chicago, moved into an RV, and now we're traveling the country full-time visiting America's National Park. Today, we're talking about Olympic National Park in Washington. Thanks for listening. So we visited Olympic in the winter with my brother Brian and his now fiance Whitney. This was pre-RV, so we were just kind of renting a car and driving from Seattle. Or I don't think we even rented a car. I think we borrowed your cousin's car. Oh, we did. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah, right. Thank you. Saved us a lot of money. So I had just finished a work trip to Park City, Utah, and I thought, what the heck? I'm close enough to Washington, so why not add a whole nother trip. 
Even though, like, Washington and Utah are, like, several hours apart. Yeah, I always forget how big and spread apart everything is in the West. These aren't even close. (laughs) But I'm really glad we planned this anyway because we got to spend a couple days in Seattle, too, with Hannah, Jesse, and the kids and my cousin Megan. And it was just a a really great time visiting all my cousins. And uh, visiting Olympic in the winter is such a great idea. The weather isn't too freezing, and the crowds are much lighter. The only areas that we couldn't visit were, like, the mountains due to the snow and road closures. But everything else was pretty much fair game. Yeah, I thought it was really perfect. And by everything, we really do mean everything because there is a lot to explore here. Yeah, only about, like, one million acres, you know, multiple different sections and climates and probably one of the most expansive and diverse national parks in the country, you know. But there's a ton to see to do, especially in the winter. Yeah, for sure. And... Since Olympic gets more than 3 million annual visitors, it's definitely a good idea to go during off-peak season, so like not summer, because I can't imagine how crazy it gets during those months. History. But we should start with the background uh, information. You know, first, Olympic National Park was established in 1938 after um, first being named a national monument in 1909. Yeah, it got upgraded. And that tends to happen a lot. I've seen that with a lot of national parks that begin as national monument or national lakeshore or something and then get upgraded. It really does. And Olympic wasn't even its first name. It was actually going to be called Elk National Park at first due to the huge herds of the Roosevelt elk. Yeah, and these elk, they really are huge. They're the largest species of elk in North America. They actually kind of look a a lot more like reindeer. I don't even know if I've seen a reindeer in real life, but I'm just basing this off of like the Rudolph special. <laughs> so there are serious North Pole vibes here. And since Olympic protects the largest herd of elk in North America, it, it makes sense that they were initially going to call it that. And after they were severely overhunted in the 1800s, they were protected under national monument status. And they've since rebounded nicely. So this kind of goes to show what National Park Service intervention can do. Like this whole species, this whole breed has thrived ever since then. It's it's really amazing. I mean, you know, the elk are also amazing here, but there's so much more. I mean, um, so that's why they decided to name it something else, you know, something grandier, something that would put this place to justice. Yeah, and really what could be more grand than a comparison to Greek mythology? Yeah, that's right. Olympic National Park is named for Mount Olympus. A mountain in the park that was named by John Mieres, who described it as worthy place of the Greek gods could live. Just to clarify on this, John Mieres, the navigator, explorer, and maritime fur trader, and it's not to be confused with John Muir, that we all know and love, who basically paved the way for national parks. Yeah, I love that. It's just so, like, how eccentric and delightfully over the top the comparison to Mount Olympus is. But it really fits, and I could totally see... Zeus and Hermes and Hera and the whole gang living here. And the elk are like the unicorns, but <laughs> uh, I might be remembering Mount Olympus wrong And now that I think about it. Because mo- most of my Greek mythology info I get from Disney's version of the Hercules movie, which is fantastic. Yes. Or that time in fifth grade when Mrs. Lashinsky made us literally write a rap about specific Greek gods. So I rapped about Hades in fifth grade. And I'm still mortified by this. And if Mrs. Lashinsky is listening, I haven't forgotten that. And I haven't forgiven you for making me rap about Hades. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm, a, I'm about to drop a beat for you. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> We're no. about to do this rap. You ready? 
No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm personally, I'm very glad and thankful that smartphones and social media did not exist when that, I was in fifth grade. That literally would have been priceless to see. I mean, I, <laughs> do you still remember that rap? Absolutely not. No, no, that's, I mean, that I've definitely blacked out. I haven't like forgotten the memory of it because it was so mortifying and scarring. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask your mom if she still has this written down because I want to reenact oh. this at Christmas. That, no, that rap, I mean, fortunately, because of that rap, when our house burned down in 2002, it destroyed remnants of that oh. I'm just glad. I mean, Heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken. Not for your house, but for that rap being missing. I'm kidding. Lost. I'm kidding. No, um, gosh. You know what? Actually, how about this? Here's a quick pop quiz for you. Which Olympic came first? The Olympic Peninsula or the mountain? Well, I've never done well with pop quizzes. I don't like being caught off guard. Um, but I would assume the peninsula came first. That seems too obvious, though, so I'm going to, I would say the mountain. Ah, you get an A, but would have been gotten an A-plus if you wrapped that answer. Oh <laughs> Absolutely not. John Beer has actually named that mountain first about 100 years before the mapping of the rest of Olympic Peninsula. That's wild. I mean, kudos to John Mears for paving the way and creating an Olympic comparison that brings endless joy and endless whimsy. I love it. So now that we've mapped out the peninsula and given this park its godlike status, let's break down the different elements that make this place so special. Yeah, totally. Because this is one park that has so many different like microclimates within it, different sections that they kind of feel like three different national parks in one. And I think the best place to start is with the rainforest. Now, when most people think of rainforests, they tend to think of tropical jungles and faraway countries. That's at least what I think of. That's fair enough. But in fact, Olympic is one of the largest sections of temperate forests left in the United States. Centuries ago, this type of land actually stretched from Alaska all the way down to California. While most of it is sadly gone, there's still a beautiful example of that left here in Washington. Yeah, totally. Now, the Ho Rainforest is the crown jewel of this landscape. It's located on the western side of the park, kind of towards the Pacific coast. And this place is very, very lush. Like it's, if you look up lush in, I don't know, the dictionary or whatever. It's like probably it'll just, defined as like right. something out of Fern Gully. Yeah. I mean, I literally think I said that multiple times while we were like walking through the park or driving in. I'm like, this is Fern Gully. This is Fern Gully. And everyone in the car is probably just like, stop. Yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> that's probably yeah. why I just said that. Right, right. So it's basically Fern Gully, but without that evil oil creature thing. There's nothing nothing scary here. No, no, no. But this place is just like great, great, greatly bright green trees and the ferns and the moss as far as the eye can see. I mean, yeah. it's beautiful. Seriously. And considering how dense the forest is, the the eye can't really see too far. So you're just like steeped and surrounded in this like Kermit green forest with like Huge trees. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just Seriously. so big. I mean, forming this tall canopy that's like, it blocks out most of the sun, which is pretty cool. Uh, but the, that's just where the bright green vegetation comes through. And it has this constant drip of water because it's just, it's literally a rainforest. Yeah. So the name, the name checks out. <laughs> and I love how like the sun, like most of the sun is kind of blocked out. But you get these little trickles of sunlight that poke through and create this like misty glow. And then this, like, sound effect, this constant sound effect of dripping water in the background. I, I love it. This place is super drippy, super wet. The rainforest gets up to 170 inches of precipitation each year, which is insane. That's, like, 14 feet of rain. Yeah, it's a little, like, waterly wonderland, that's for sure. Yes, it is. 
You are listening to Parklandia, the podcast by iHeartRadio. After this short break, we will continue to talk about the diversity of this beautiful land. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. Welcome back. This is Parklandia, the podcast by iHeartRadio. And today we're talking about Olympic National Park. Trails. So we did two different hiking trails here in the Ho Rainforest. We started with what's called the Hall of Mosses Trail. Hall of Mosses. Yes. I love that name. It's just it sucks you in. It does. And then after that we did the Spruce Nature Trail. And they the two trails connect. So very doable to do both. Oh yeah. No, they're pretty short. I mean only about like two miles altogether. Right, right. And they're both just so tranquil and so beautiful. And in spite of the fact that this is one of the more crowded areas of the park, even in winter, it's it you have that tranquility and a, a sense of like calm and peacefulness. Yeah, and that's the thing I like about this trail. It's only two miles, but it actually like it can last for two hours. I, I mean, know you just walk yeah. so slow, and you just there's so mm-hmm. much to see on such a short trail. We were there for a while. Oh, yeah, we were there for a long time. Yeah, it's one of those trails or two of those trails where you just kind of amble through and take your time because it kind of forces you to. It's not the type of trail that you want to speed through and snap a few photos. It meanders and like goes up and down in zigzags in a very moderate way. But it definitely kind of slows you down and forces you to go at its own pace. And I loved that. And it's nice because it doesn't get a lot of snow cover there because um, of the canopy of the trees. So it's more accessible all year round. Right. Yeah. You're not going to be like trudging through knee-deep snow at any point of the year, which is really nice. Like, when we were there in, I think it was January, there was no snow whatsoever, I don't think. Yeah, I don't It was very comfortable. Any, yeah. Very comfortable temperature-wise. Wildlife. Now, the, the rainforest also, it has about 400 elk who live here of that herd. 
And we saw a huge herd, in particular, in a meadow on our drive in towards the visitor center. That was crazy. Yeah, those those were just so huge. And, like, you know, they were just grazing by the stream, yeah. slowly moving through the mist. I mean, it, like, it came out of a movie. It was so beautiful. I mean, if there were any other animals, it would probably be terrifying. Right, right. Because that, like, morning mist was, like, just kind of billowing up, and you'd see these gigantic antlered creatures. So I could see it, like, if it was another animal, it'd be like a horror movie. But... These are gentle giants, and only from afar, though. Please, like, do not <laughs> approach the elk. They aren't cartoon reindeer. This isn't Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. And they can definitely cause some serious, serious damage if they feel threatened. Yeah, speaking of threatened, the rainforest is the only place that we've been where, where even the spider webs look beautiful. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I've never described a spider web as beautiful before, and I probably never will after this, but the whole rainforest... That's an exception. There's just something about the dripping water and the thin beams of sunshine flickering off these webs that make them look really pretty, actually. And I'm still, I'm like kind of surprised and shocked that we're feeling so strongly about spider webs. I know, right? I mean, this rainforest, though, is just a great place. I even brought my hammock and we took a little break um, towards the middle of the trail. Right. And, uh, you know, it was just nice. There was this uh, like beautiful babbling brook along the Spruce Nature Trail, and it was just the perfect place to relax for a little bit. Yeah, and you kind of poke out of the, the thick of the forest here by this river, so you have more sunshine, and that's what it makes it good to kind of lie in a hammock or sit on a log or something and take these cute, pretty photos. I loved it. And, oh, yeah. Those yeah. definitely, those impromptu, like, little photo shoots that we do at National right. Parks. They're so much fun. Yeah, I remember you got some nice photos of me here. And we got some of Brian and Whitney being cute on a log. Oh, yeah, that's right. You'll have to check out our uh, Instagram at Parklandiapod. Yeah, get a peek at that. Um, other things you can do at the rainforest include long backcountry hiking trips and even whitewater rafting, neither of which we did because we didn't have the equipment or the knowledge. And rafting in winter is a terrible idea unless you want to get hypothermia. Yeah, yeah, we could definitely spend a whole episode talking about the rainforest here. But like we said, this is just one element of Olympic National Park. Right, right. And we did so much more. I think the first thing we actually did when we got to Olympic was this really beautiful hike to Mary Mare Falls. It was a pretty easy, short-ish trail that's a little less than two miles round trip. It's near this massive lake called Lake Crescent, which lo- kind of looks like Loch Ness in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, but we definitely didn't see any Loch Ness monsters here. Right. Only a couple of uh, river otters and some beautiful scenery. I know. Unfor- they were so brief. I wish we could have seen more of them. We really only saw these otters like dive into the water off the shore and then disappear. But I remember like we kind of, I saw them and I think I probably screeched with excitement and I'm like, pull the car over. I want to see the otters. And then we pulled over and they were long gone. But, you know, yeah. I got a glimpse. Yeah, no, they really definitely are beautiful things. I know. Uh, beautiful little beings. Probably my first otters I've seen in the wild for a nanosecond, but I'll take what I can get. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the trail we did, Mary Mare Falls, I think that's a good one to do for people, especially when you're first arriving to Olympic. Yeah, the Mary Mare Terrace Fall is really nice. It starts on a paved pathway that takes you through a small like tunnel under the main road, and then it goes deep into this golden forest, this old growth worth of forest. Yeah, the trees are really soaring in this forest, especially. 
The woods are filled with these deep hues of dark browns and greens with bits of fog and rain trickling through, which definitely seems to be Olympics M.O. Yeah, it was really fun to go over those little, like, wooden bridges to cross the, like, the fast-moving river. Mm. And then, you know, we climbed up some stairs to reach the waterfall. It was just so breathtaking. There's just so much beautifully dense and open in the same breath, like, wood, like woods. It's yeah. gorgeous. Fern Gully, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I remember that bridge that we were crossing that river, which is a pretty aggressive-looking river. Like, you, for some reason, like, shimmied along the outside of the railing. And I remember, <laughs> yeah, Brian, Whitney, I were like, Brad, oh. what are you doing? There's no point. <laughs> None at all. I was just being obnoxious. You were, I mean, you were clearly excited and, like, diving in headfirst to this park. Not the river. You didn't dive into the river. But you were, your enthusiasm was palpable and addictive. Yeah. No, that was just, Olympic is just one of those beautiful, beautiful places to be. Yeah. It's very, like, similar ethos to the rainforest. Just the whole park really grabs you really quickly and transports you into this world. And this trail was a another prime example of that. And the waterfall, once we finally made it to Marimara Falls, after going up this, like, series of steps, the waterfall is this, like, long, thin ribbon, kind of your classic waterfall, crashing down the steep hillside into the dense, dense forest below. Such a quintessentially Olympic view and experience. And thankfully, I also loved that this trail wasn't too crowded either, so we could enjoy a little more peace and quiet and, like, just drink it in. Another highlight, the coastal region, where all the picture-perfect beaches are. Yeah, these aren't your typical beaches, though. You won't find any surfers or sunbathers here. No, no, this isn't Malibu. So you can forget about the sunbathing and the surfing and the Baywatch running <laughs> on the beach. Nothing so you're like saying that. I'm not going to meet the rock? Oh, you're thinking of the Baywatch remake. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's not my go-to Baywatch. I think of like the Pamela Anderson. We're never on David the same Hasselhoff. page when it comes down to remakes, are we? No, you're right. You always go to like the newer <laughs> thing, like Jurassic World, and I'm uh, like, excuse me, no. Like, no, no, no. Right. <laughs> so this isn't that. This isn't either of those Baywatches. Instead, this is the type of beach where you'll find enormous sea logs, tree-lined islands, and so much mist that it makes the whole landscape kind of look like an outdoor haunted house. Yeah, and we can't forget the Tree of Life. That was one of my favorite sites. I mean, it's still my favorite tree in America. Um, Big statement. Yeah, huge statement, huge. And right. I don't like to try to, I try to stay away from favorites, but, except for the end segment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this Sitka tree, uh, Sitka spruce tree, it, you know, it's just dangling in between a bluff and uh, Claylock Beach. Yeah, it's definitely surreal and doesn't look like it should exist, like it kind of defies reality. It's just hanging there. It's got a huge base with a ton of roots that are dangling between this bluff with a little waterfall kind of trickling underneath it. Yeah, literally hanging on by a few limbs, but it's thriving. I mean, it looks like a miracle tree. Yeah, it really does. I feel like this tree should definitely be a motivational poster, like one of those just hang in there pictures. Like, I think there, I've seen one with, like, a cat or a kitten, like, hanging on. And it's like, no, we need one of those with this tree. Yes. Hang in there. And then you could look at it whenever you need, like, this emotional boost. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of my coffee mug that says, um, if Brittany can get through 2007, you can get through today. It's <laughs> the best mug. <laughs> yeah, I love that tree on a mug would actually be it, a beautiful Oh, my sight. gosh. Yeah, that'd be a perfect coffee mug. But not all trees in the beaches here are as peaceful 
I remember on on Ruby Beach, I actually <laughs> slipped on one of the wet logs and crashed pretty hard into oh, the ground. Boom. <laughs> yeah, you fell yeah. super hard. Like I thought you actually like broke your tailbone. Oh yeah, I went over <laughs> like an anvil. I like I. It was such a dizzyingly fast experience. I'm like, one second I'm walking, and then I slip and slam into the ground. I guess we can call that one the tree of death, huh? Yep. Yeah, that would be the tree of death. I I definitely got a few bruises along one side from that one. But fortunately, I didn't, like, crash into, like, rocks or other logs. I, like, hit kind of this firm, moist sand. And the craziest part is that all these beaches have these, like, terrifying warning signs that say things like, beach logs kill and stuff like that. And, like how ominous, right? You're just going to like, oh, I'm going to go to the beach and then, you know, a, a log could kill me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get hit by one of those uh, sea no. logs. I mean, that's a fight I definitely would not be able to win. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. These logs are huge because they're huge. They're like uh, redwood-ish. They're not as tall, but they're like very, very thick logs that I could see like if a, if a tide were to change rapidly or whatever and then it f- flies up at you like you're not, you're not going to fare well. <laughs> No, definitely not. You'll have more than a few bruises like I did, that's for sure. Yeah, no, but there's nothing to be scared of at the beaches as long as you're careful. You don't have to get, like, yourself stranded in high tide, you know? Yeah. Like, you can go there when there's low tide and just be smooth and right. fun. I mean, I even got to, like, draw in the sand, well, the mm. watery sand, and I wrote, like, P.S. I love you for my cousin Elizabeth and because— uh our, our cousin, Paul, who passed away. So it's Paul Setter, I love you. Wow. Um, and so I got to send her that little message and just telling her I was thinking about her. Um, there really is so much to see here, though, at the beach. Just strolling down the misty coast, seeing if you can spot all the cutest animals in the country. Because the beaches are, like, where you're most likely to see sea lions and seals. And, and even otters. whales. And whales. Oh, yeah. The best. As Like, you, for those, you have to really luck out. and You have to come at the right time, like... In the spring, I think, is when you're most likely. You can see gray whales migrating for spring break. <laughs> Where are they headed? Cancun? Um, no, 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 no. They're heading to the Bering Sea, actually. But that's basically Cancun for whales. <laughs> like MTV, spring break, Bering Sea edition, you know, whales. Whales. <laughs> Amazing. You know, and gray whales aren't the only whales that you can see here, though, right? No, you can see a lot, actually. You can see minke whales, humpback whales, even killer whales can be spotted here throughout the year. So, gang's all here. And I'm obsessed with whales. This is, like, my happy place. I, I did, we didn't see any, unfortunately, on this trip, but just even the, the mere possibility of whales being in their proximity, I'm like, Thrilled. Yeah, I love that. You know, the other beach that we spent a lot of time on was that Kailak Beach. Um, This is where the Tree of Life is and also where our cabin was. Um, And I really want to talk about that cabin. Yeah, and the whole, like, uh, experience there was really wonderful. Like, far exceeded my expectations because we drove— this was like the opposite end of Olympic from Seattle. So it was a long drive to get there. I think it took us, like, three to four hours— all told, yeah, probably. Yeah, it was definitely wild. Yeah, it's like the far southern and western point of Olympic, um, kind of towards the lower part of the, the coastline. So where we were staying was this place called Kalelok Lodge, and it's incredible. Definitely worth the, the hours to get there because it's this oasis, basically, this serene oasis that's like out on this bluff, over the Olympic coastline. The lodge consists of these different rooms, and there are also these cottages scattered throughout the property. 
and you have more of that iconic mist and and sea logs lining the train in the background or down below you in this case too. Right. I mean, our our cabin was just so cozy and comfy. It had a living room with the wood fireplace and um, a beautiful couch and a little like kitchen nook. Um, just the perfect amount of bedrooms for all of us and space. It was a really great adventure. Yeah, totally. And also perfect amount of table space for playing games. I we I think had a few games we brought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we have all of our national parks and, and travel-related games. And... Yeah, board games are perfect for this type of setting. And I remember playing uh, the Oregon Trail board game version here. Like, not... Because, like, the video game is so nostalgic and one of our favorite things and obsessed with it. So they came out with this really hard to find initially. Gosh, yeah. We had like 10 people searching for that. Like we had people yeah. in Seattle. We had people in New York. It was so um, hard. They yeah, kept, they kept selling out. Yeah, they were available <laughs> at Target only. <laughs> and it was sold out everywhere we tried. So it was a total ordeal. Really quick though on this one, like Carly Fisher in New York, our friend, she took a two-hour train ride to go get it. She called ahead. They put it aside of at least that's what they said. She gets there, and they sold them. Sure. And so she had to go back. And so she tried to, like, really do mm. us a solid by finding this. And, I mean, we had people doing crazy stuff like that all over. It was so much fun, though. I mean, that, yeah. that was just a good memory of I that. know. Everyone really stepped up, stepped up on our behalf. <laughs> Very appreciative. But, you know, it was well worth it. It was just really difficult um, and impossible as the original computer version. You know, I, I could never win that game. Um, no, it's so hard. But the board game set up with the cards, that helped move it along, um, and we had a really great journey. Right, and this one's like more of a team effort, which I is the whole appeal for me. Like, you, pay it, you play it with, I don't know, two to five, six people. I'm pretty sure I died of cholera, as usual. <clears throat> well, you know what the perfect medicine for cholera is? What's that? Dinner at the Creekside Restaurant. Oh, yes, that's very true, very true. Um, but not really. Those actually no cure for cholera. I can't. I can't cure cholera with Washington wine. Oh well. But still, <laughs> what a great restaurant at the lodge. Food. Yeah, everything was totally local. Uh, fresh fish and seafood, meat, seasonal vegetables. Even the wine list was entirely mm-hmm. washed-in wines. Really impressive stuff. I know, really above and beyond. I think the best thing that I remember having there was this, like, house-smoked salmon tart or tartlet. It was so delicious and so kind of, like, quintessential Washington dining. Oh, yeah. This, like, lemony dill cream cheese and, like, a preserved lemon jam, red onions. This, like, really fancified version of lox and bagel thing. <laughs> yeah. So good. At night, I remember after dinner, like, um, breaking away from the group to go down to the beach. And it kind of reminded me of sitting under the pier in Oceanside, California when I was in the Marines. And uh, this was a place I would frequently go to decompress. And because you just hear the, like, crashing sounds of the ocean at night and that soothes soul. There's, like, this soul at night when it's the oceans. And I just really love that. Yeah, it, it it really sounds perfect. Like the most serene place to decompress and get away. Yeah, I remember I was actually watching some like young groups of people on the beach, like cooking s'mores or trying to with the wind. You know, it was pretty windy, um, and it was also really dark. So you know, everyone's using their like iPhone flashlights to step over like ocean logs mm-hmm. and trying to cook s'mores. It was just it was a funny, 
fun time just to get that little escape and bring up those memories. Yeah, beach logs kill. That's a dangerous place. To, like, can you imagine? I mean, I, I guess I relate. Like, I love s'mores so much. I'd, I'd happily risk my life on a beach like that to, to have some. Yeah. I love them. So back in the cottage, I think we also played this board game version of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, another like kind of vintage Americana video game turned card game that I believe was also only available at Target. They really had a monopoly on that. Yeah, that one's another like tricky one to find. But we got it. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. And just still so much fun. And uh, honestly, though, like one of the things this has always stuck with me with Carmen San Diego is one thing I never understood is why everyone is always on the hunt for her. Like, she's not a bad person. Her <laughs> alleged crimes are so intangible. Like, she stole Liberty from the Statue of Liberty or, or something like that. So these aren't like punishable or like actual things. I think her only real crime is that weird hat she wears. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, man, that that's harsh. That's harsh. Well, I'm sorry, but no. it's not a good hat. No. Okay, so now we'll, um, well, we have to wrap up Olympic National Park by telling us our favorite parts about the park. So before we go to that, we're going to go to a quick break. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful Beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. My favorite. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia, and we are getting to our favorite parts about the park. We do not know what these are, so I really want Matt to tell me what his favorite part of the park is. Oh, so I think my favorite part of Olympic National Park was the rainforest in general. I don't think I've ever been to a rainforest in any capacity. So that was a really exciting aspect and something I was really looking forward to the most. And it really lived up to my expectations, not only in like the climate and the setting and like mistiness and how vivid green it was, but also seeing like all the elk I was Mm, delighted by. That was such a good surprise. I love that. Um, Do you want to tell us what your favorite part of Olympic was? Yeah, I mean, you could probably guess Mm -hmm. it just you knowing me, Uh, but mine was the Tree of Life. Oh, I knew it. 
<laughs> See, told you. No, but um, but really, I mean, it it's just what it represents to me. You joked about it. Just hang in there. But seriously, watching that tree thrive when eighty percent of its roots are exposed. It just kind of reminds me of the journey that we've gone through. I mean, from mm. my life before meeting you to us, our life together, uh, jumping into this RV life, you know, we didn't have 80% of our roots grounded. You uh-huh. know, they were all uplifted. We had 20% and we still went like we had 200%. Uh, yes. Roots, you know, know um, really. and so that to me is just that that really special and powerful message that that tree sends um, is really important to me. Yeah. And we also took that tree to the next level because, like, one of the photos you took of it, right, we, like, turned it into a customized puzzle. Yes, we and then we photo. rebuilt it. Yeah, so we were able to, like, turn that photo you took of that tree into a puzzle. We took us a while, but it was a, it's a hard puzzle. But we were, we did the puzzle. and There's then, a lot of blue. <laughs> a lot of blue. Mm. And, yeah, underestimated how difficult that would be. But once it was finally done, it looked magnificent in puzzle form. And then we framed it. And then put it on our national parks wall in our loft in Chicago when that was still up. And we still yes. live there. <laughs> yeah, now it's all in boxes mm-hmm. as we travel. And uh, that's that's the beauty of it all. Yeah, um, so clearly that tree had an impact. Also, I'm pretty sure the Tree of Life is the name of the tree at Animal Kingdom, which is this weird inadvertent tie-in with yes. the Avatar Pandora world. So we've talked about that place a weird amount in this episode. Yeah, but I think they definitely got a lot of inspiration from national parks, especially arches and especially Olympic. I think there's a lot of inspiration and it's like a mend between those two in the animal kingdom. Right, right. Because that tree in animal kingdom kind of does look like this tree, just like much bigger and more cartoonish. And just put on a delicate arch. (laughs) Mm, Throw that Um, in there, yeah. So what three things did you bring? mm, The three things I would bring would be a DVD copy of Disney's Hercules because when in Rome. And we don't probably have service there, or we didn't have that much service. Yeah, not much service. Spotting. So DVDs would probably be a good idea. I would also bring binoculars, especially for when you're on the beaches, because that's when you have the best views, like kind of expansive views, unobscured. Yes. And you want to keep an eye out for whales, especially. Uh, and then I would also suggest bringing probably a raincoat, especially for the rainforest, but also in general everywhere, because this is such a misty, drippy or Wet nostalgic. Place. I'll just bring three board games. Nostalgic oh, board games. It's yeah. a must. I know we've only brought two on this one. I mean, that were nostalgic. Mm-hmm. But I think the third one I'd probably bring would be Trekking the National Parks. I Always. really love that game. And what better place to play it, literally? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And for like our dream vacation to Olympic, what do you think that, what do you think you would start well, with? I mean, we kind of already, this trip really was dreamy. Just the whole experience, the time spent there, the places we saw, the company we were with. So it's kind of hard to top that. And the photos were just, and I mean, photos. phenomenal. Like I yeah. got more photos there than I think I have at all the national parks combined that were just yeah. every photo is spot on. Iconic photos. Gorgeous. Yeah, I think you you took an amazing photo of me through the windshield and it's like a wet windshield with all these water droplets on it because we're in Olympic and that's just the norm. Are you and, talking about the one that's my background to my phone oh, still right? to is this day? Still? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, And I'm just like kind of in the background looking out at the lake, trying to see if I can find any river otters. And 
You captured it perfectly. I think the only thing that would actually make this trip better would be to bookend it with Seattle. Now, we did that part, but also Mount Rainier. I think that um, adding that park would be a great two-parter for this. Yeah. It's, a, it's long driving, but, you know, driving is temporary. And um, it's doable as long as you pace it out. Like we, I remember when we were first considering this trip and kind of planning things, we considered doing a day at Mount Rainier, maybe towards the end or something, but... But that we wouldn't do it justice. No, we don't want to cram that in. That's a whole experience in and of itself. But as long as you have the time, you absolutely could do Olympic and Mount Rainier. And then also spend time in Seattle, which is a gem of a city, and there's so much to do there. Three days in Olympic, a day for driving, a half day in Seattle, or a half a day for driving, not even, three, not four hours. easy, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, so um, scenic, like you don't even mind. Yeah, then just do a couple days in Mount Rainier and have a have a good old time. I mean, yes. That would be probably my dream vacation because they are so close. They're so drivable. You can go get your Starbucks from the original OG Starbucks. Oh, right. And, you know, go through the market there. I mean. Can't can't miss it. Yeah, and then you definitely have to go back to the Creekside restaurant, have some Washington wine, keep your eyes peeled for whales outside the window. Like, picture perfect in every way. You've been listening to the Parklandia Podcast, a show about national parks by iHeartRadio. Created by Matt Kerouac, Brad Kerouac, and Christopher Haziotis. Produced and edited by Mike Johns. Executive produced by Christopher Haziotis. Special thanks to Gabrielle Collins, Crystal Waters, and the rest of the Parklandia crew. And hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. You can keep up with us on social media. Check out photos from our travels on Instagram at Parklandia Pod and join in the conversation in our Facebook group, Parklandia Rangers. Thank you so much for listening. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.